Hi, welcome to Life First God Heals. I'm one of your hosts, Kim Ward, and this is our other host, Kurt Flegel. And today we're going to be talking about recovery. What is recovery, really? Like, when you think of recovery, Kim, what kinds of things do you think about? I mean, honestly, probably for me, the first thing that would be, like, phys- recovering from, like, physical injuries. Hmm. Uh, I've had quite a few friends that have managed to somehow, normally through really random accidents, or general klutziness, <laughs> as my one friend, that's how she labeled it, so I'm not saying anything she didn't already say, just managed to hurt themselves in ways that, you know, essentially needed some rehab mm. and some building up of the strength again from what was injured. So, so physical recovery. Yeah, yeah, physical recovery is probably the first thing that I think of. Uh, I know we also talk about recovery from addiction. Like, we have Celebrate Recovery that I know um, you're a part of, you know. So that's, you know, recovering from addiction, finding out who you are without that. I think those are probably the two main ones that I think of, you know, both physical and then almost more emotional recovery from addiction. Because that's a lot of it is you're trying to fill whatever void is in your in your heart, in your life, with something that doesn't work. And tends to destroy your life. So trying to figure out how to to get back to that place where you're, where you're in a place of health. You know, recovering that. Yeah. It's funny that you talk about physical because my mind doesn't even go to that place. <laughs> Just because, like you said, I have been involved in creating a Celebrate Recovery ministry here in our town. And so that's where, where I go to a lot is the... The idea of addictions or as Celebrate Recovery says, they, they have actually two sides, right? They mm-hmm. say this is about recovery from chemical addictions and then the H3, as they call it, which is hurts, habits, and hang-ups. Mm-hmm. And so I've, I've been thinking a lot about recovery. What is recovery as I've, we've been preparing to launch this ministry? And so this thought has been in my mind a lot. What is recovery really? And I've been pondering that because of my context. I've been pondering that a lot. You said that in physical recovery, the point is to get back to health. Mm-hmm. So in these addictions, why do we go to them? Where's the unhealth? And what is real health in those places? That's not a tricky question at all. All right, well, like, but. let's just go back to the original question is, like, what, what is it we're trying to feel better about? Why do we go to these places, these, these addictions, or that really what they are is coping mechanisms, mm-hmm. right? Why do we go to these coping mechanisms to begin with? Like, what's the root of that? What are we trying to feel better about? Well, obviously, for the most part, I can only speak from personal experience. Sure. But, you know, from what I see in my own life, there's we all, ex- all experience wounds. We all experience these lies in our lives that tell us things like, you're not enough, you're lacking, you've, you know, you're screwed up, you've, you know, you're not wanted. Whatever the issue is, there's this issue, there's this hole inside of us that we're missing something. We know we're missing it. We're, we're all created and we have this hole in us. And we try to fill it with whatever it is, whether it, you know, some people use success. You wouldn't think success would be an addiction, but for some people, 
that's what they go to for some people. You know, they have to look a certain way or, you know, I like for me, you know, a lot of the times my coping mechanisms were to numb out and just kind of go to sleep to whatever was going on. To not deal with the voices in my head that were saying, you're not enough, you're unwanted, you're X, Y, or Z. Mm. You know, so it made sense to read a lot because in those worlds, no no one's messing with you. They're messing with, with, with whatever character you're reading about. And of course, you know, I'm crying for the character, but it didn't actually impact. Okay, it impacted my heart, obviously, but it, I, it was easier to deal with the character's pain than it was to deal with my pain. There's a separation there. Yeah. Right? There's this there's this buffer, the separation between that character and their story and what you're experiencing as you read their story. So even if there's emotion and there's a connection to their story, there's enough separation does it doesn't feel threatening. Right. Or as threatening. Uh, yeah, I was going to say as threatening. I mean Based on the number of tissues I was going through on a regular basis, it was still pretty, pretty intense. But it meant not facing my own wounds. Instead, it was easier to face someone else's pain than it was to face mine. Because then I'd have to look, look at what was actually going on inside of me. And I didn't like it. We spent all this time with all these messages being put on us. All these lies, you know, from the enemy. Telling you you're not enough, you're this, you're a failure, you know, the, the list, <laughs> he's not very creative, but the list looks a little different for each person. We're, we're trying to find our identity in all of the things that we do and all the things people say that we are. So, you know, going back to, well, what does it look like? What was recovery in this? It, you know, we're trying to, we were given, we were made in God's image. That's very clear from Genesis. From the beginning, God's, and then God said it was very good. Let's make man in our own image. That's a good thing. Well, what's the first thing we do is we turn away from it. Mm-hmm. You know, we're like, oh, like, I don't know if I can really believe who you are, God. And let's listen to what the enemy says. Oh, God's not really good. He's holding out on you. And from that moment on, we've been trying all these different ways to get our identity back, but they've been the wrong ways. You just hit the nail on the head, for sure. It's all about identity. Mm. What are we recovering? We're recovering what was lost in the garden. Mm -hmm. What Adam and Eve lost. What the accuser of our souls was after was to rob us of our identity. You're right. We all go to something to cope with these voices we hear that are accusing us. Right? Every time we get quiet... These voices say, tell us things about ourselves that, um, are, that we don't want to hear. And we all deal with that. Mm. And that started in the garden when we were robbed of, our, of what God said about us and a whole, you know, our belief in that and allowed the enemy to steal that identity from us. We turned from listening to God's voice And we turned to listening to what the enemy was saying and his lies about God. And since we were made in God's image, that reflects on how we view ourselves. And so really the thing is, everyone is in recovery. (laughs) Because we all lost our acceptance and belief in, in God's identity in our own in the garden. 
And because we don't hold to that, we got to find something else to make ourselves feel better. For not listening to God, right? If we've turned away and we've walked away from what God says about himself and us, then we got to find something else to make ourselves feel better about us. And that's where all the addictions come in. So the real question is, for all of us, what is recovery? It's turning back and being willing to come back to God. You know, listen to the voice of God and recover what he says about us and what and what he says about, well, what he says about himself and what he says about us. Yeah, it's pretty important. Because if the truth is, is if what we believe about God is wrong, then what we believe about ourselves is going to be, is going to be out of line, alignment too. You know, because I think one, you know, obviously one of the biggest lies, the first one is God's not really trustworthy. Well, if God's not really trustworthy, then everything he says about me, I can't count on. So obviously you're going to try to find something else, something that maybe you can count on, and then it becomes a control issue because, well, I don't know what's going on in anyone else's head, but I can try to control it by doing my own things my own way, and it never works well, Mm -hmm. realistically. We weren't meant to be in that place. I've seen that within my own family of, of me or the rest of my family trying to take control of things that they weren't meant to and how that's trickled down literally through generations through at least three generations of family all trying to control what they weren't meant to in the first place and not receiving healing and not recovering and then that passing that down to the next generation yeah and god says i'm the one in control and i'm good yeah if we don't believe that, that identity in, in who God says he is, then we have to be the ones in control. Mm. That's exactly what happened in the garden, right? Yeah. The enemy created doubt in Adam and Eve about God. Did God really say, that's really the start of doubt, mm. of starting to plant seeds of doubt in Adam and Eve about God's validity yeah. and God, what God says being true. And if he can get us to that place, then we, we lose our view of God as infinitely good, infinite love. And then if God's not infinite in his power and his goodness and his love, then it's up to us. And in that moment, that's where Adam and Eve reached for the knowledge of the tree of good and evil. They wanted to be in control of determining what's good and evil. And we can still see in our world today... Mm-hmm. The culture wars, the things, you know, that people are fighting over, what's good, what's evil. So just think of a hot topic in, in the United States. Think of it. Gender, right? What, what is gender now? We're fighting over that. Sexual orientation, abortion, all of that stuff, all those questions that we're fighting over come down to us determining what's good and evil. Mm-hmm. The culture wars, the fighting over morality, over what's good and evil started right there in the garden. Because we turned from God, no longer trusted what he said we and had to be on our shoulders. And once it's on our shoulders, it's too much for us to handle. And every human being walking around as if they're God of their own environment, what happens when my view of me being the God of my own world comes into contact with another human who thinks they're God of their own world and we have differing views Mm. when worlds collide. (laughs) Yeah, 
Yeah, it's chaos every time. Obviously, you know, all I did is go on Facebook and type something that could seem potentially innocent and then stand back and watch what happens. Yep. It's like throwing a hand grenade in the middle of the room. Yeah, and now with the internet and social media, we've just made it that much easier to fight with each other. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, a lot of the times it doesn't actually change anything because we're not going into it to hear the other person or to find out the other person's heart. We're going into it to be right. And isn't that scary? We'll talk about once again trying to be in the place of God. Mm-hmm. We're not worrying about connection. We're not trying to connect with other people. We just want to be right. Yep. Because that keeps us firmly in control. Well, there's a buffer there, right? Yeah. If we're fighting over an issue, mm. just kind of like the same thing where you talked about right, reading books. Right. It took you out of yourself and put you into another character. And while there was still trauma and there was still pain and a journey for them to go on, you were separated from your own pain to a level. Yeah. There was a, there was a buffer there. And a lot of times when we're fighting over topics and ideas and ideals, there's a buffer there that we don't have to deal with ourselves. We can put ourselves into a debate and without having to really deal with our own stuff. But what happens is then we begin to find our identity in our ideals. We begin to find our identity in... The, all these things out right. there and what we feel or what what we desire. Do we, do we desire same sex, opposite sex? Then we find our identity in that. We find our identity in what we do. And if somebody disagrees with these things, it feels like they're attacking our identity. When we wrap our identity around the wrong things, that's a fragile state. And it starts again back to we didn't trust God's identity we we no longer are trusting God's identity back from the in the beginning and so we have to be in control and when we have to be in control we take too much on ourselves that's the other thing we take too much on to ourselves like we reach into God's realm that's too big for us only he really knows what's good and evil and only he really has the immense infinite wisdom and knowledge patience Hmm. to walk us through those things he's the one who's infinite and when we try to reach into his realm as finite beings and be in control of those things we find it's too big for us and begins to crush us and then we have to feel better about ourselves because it's too much it's too much responsibility the burden's too great and so we're breaking apart under the weight of it all and under the weight of fighting with each other over these things and the, the unity and, or the lack of unity yeah. and all these things. And we, we begin to break apart and we, we need something to make us feel better. Something, some kind of medicine to soothe us. And that's where we turn to our coping mechanisms. And this is all comes from the place of not agreeing with God and who he is and accepting who he is, and not agreeing and accepting who we are. Who has the authority to really speak and tell us our identity? Who has the authority to tell us who we really are? Think about what's the root of that word authority. Well, it's author, and we know who the author is. It's God. So obviously, realistically, when it comes down to it, the only one who does have that right 
is the one who created us. Right. Just like when you look at a, at a piece of art, you know, you may not like it. It may not be your cup of tea, but the only one who really has the right to say what the value of that piece is, is the one who created it. Did it bring that, the person who created it, joy? Did it fulfill what they wanted to express? If the answer is yes, then whether you like that piece or not, it's good. I mean, I might not pay for it <laughs> if it's not, not, not my personal thing. Plus, frankly, I'm broke a lot of the time. But, but it's, it really is the same. Like, what does he say? He says we're his poema. He said his masterpiece. Which is the word poema, which yeah. is where we get poem from. Yeah, that's that's what he says. So yeah, I, I mean, realistically, the only one with that authority to say who we are is God. But we give an awful lot of other people an awful lot of other circumstances that same right. Which is what the enemy loves. He loves that, right? Mm -hmm. When we turn from the author and creator of our lives... And, turn from what he says about us to anything else the enemy loves that mm -hmm. because we're walking right into his traps into his bait i often say this the enemy is not creative at all and this is the way he works he is so uncreative god is the creator the author is the creator and he mm -hmm. is super creative infinitely creative the enemy not so much in fact he's not creative at all all he does is corrupt what God says about us. And the way he does that is he takes it to the opposite extreme. That's the uncreative work of the enemy, right? He yeah. takes God's creative work, what God says about each one of us, generally, overall, and specifically, uniquely as individuals. So, if you don't mind me doing this, Kim, what you said earlier was we allow the, like, we hold on to these wounds. Mm -hmm. We don't heal from them, and we allow the enemy to, then to use them as like a megaphone to yeah. speak louder than God's voice. So out of your wounds, what are the messages you received about yourself that you believed? Well, you obviously know some of them because we've talked about them a lot, but um, I think burden was a huge one. That you were burdened to people? Yeah, yeah, without having to do anything, which <laughs> that's a scary place to, to feel like you're an inconvenience and a burden just by existing. That, that was certainly a huge one. That my presence didn't matter. You know, that the the best I could hope for was to be tolerated. If I was lucky. You know, that those those were some pretty big ones um, for sure. Uh, growing up, you can't I couldn't do anything right. So failure was definitely another mm. one. That was <laughs> pretty consistently spoken spoken over my life a, a lot, you know, because I could do the same thing two days in a row, and one day it was acceptable, and the next day it wasn't good enough, mm. and nothing had changed. So I couldn't count on the rules to, to, you know, I couldn't count on any of that to be consistent or fair. Yeah. So for me, a couple of them, like, I, I recognize the failure one. You can't do mm. anything right. Another one I believed was powerless. Mm that I, I could do nothing. I could do nothing right. I was a failure. And I was powerless to change that. So, okay. 
Let's go back to those, starting with the first one. Burden. What, what's the opposite of that? Well, I remember when we had that conversation, so that at least I can have that in my mind. And the word God was telling me was, you're my delight. Because it literally has the word light in it. Hmm. Which, which was why he's like, look, look, it's even got that word in it. Like, you're fine. You know, the, the idea that, look, I enjoy you. You're, you're not, like, you're not hard to be around. Like, I enjoy you. Like, that was huge. Like, God, I delight in you. I'm not just tolerating you. You're not something I'm carrying around on my backpack going, oh, gosh, I wish I could lo- offload this. You know, because that was a lot of the time how I felt. You know, you always had to earn everything so that just so that you could be tolerated. So that was that was a huge, huge one. God's like, no, I, I love you. I, I delight in like I delight in you, Kim. Like you're you're my beloved. Like there's you know there's nothing you can do that's gonna make me feel like you're too much for me to handle. Like I want to be with you. It was huge. It's taking me more time to believe other people feel that way. So that that's one that's still a work in progress, mm. for sure. But I, I am believing God more, at least when He says it. And I think that's something I'm coming to grips with. We're always still in process. We're always still recovering more of our identity. You know, we're like, oh, I'm good. I've got this. One little thing happens, like... A trigger. One little trigger or just something simple or stupid, like, oh, I don't know, borrowing someone's porch to have time with God and then feeling like, Asking to use your bathroom would be a burden and an inconvenience. So someone's porch meaning mine. Meaning yours, yes. Because that makes sense that if it's someone's porch but my bathroom, that sounds a little weird. Someone else's porch. <laughs> but your bathroom. Yeah. Using, borrowing your porch. Which, the crazy thing about that one is like, I was like sitting there arguing with God in my head even about asking you to borrow your porch. Because that was a burden? Because you were a burden? Because that was going to inconvenience you. It's your Sabbath, and the list goes on in the head for longer than I'd like to admit. Mm-hmm. I mean, you were praying, and I'm just sitting there arguing with God. <laughs> mm-hmm. And the head, and he's not, like... It's not agreeing with him. Not agreeing with him. And accepting you know? that you're not a burden, that you're a delight. Yeah. And that was, like, such a small thing, you know? And it's just like... It's just the bathroom. All you gotta do is walk in the door, go down the steps, and use it, and then go back out. It's mm-hmm. not gonna kill anyone. <laughs> but in my head, it was like, oh no, you can't do that. I'm like, that was really random. And you know, I'm like, I'm sharing that journal entry with you, and you're cracking up. I'm just like, yeah, okay, it's funny now. <laughs> it wasn't funny then when I was driving to the 99 cent store to use the restroom mm-hmm. in the middle of all that. You know? Of course not. Because to us, you know, we're so we're so easily deceived by the lies of the enemy still. Especially in, you know, the heat of the moment. You know, it, it's funny how those little things creep in. You're like, oh, like, I've got this, God. And I was like, oh, guess there's another level to that. Mm. Probably because that's one of the bigger ones that goes back all the way to my birth. So, you know, that's 37 years of <laughs> worth of receiving a message can make it a little harder but god is good he was good to reveal that in the moment of going like hey so what you're believing again like let's get a little bit deeper in this and let's cut this out what made you able to notice that in the moment well to be fair 
I was borrowing your porch to have a day of intentionally seeking God in that time to go like, okay, what do you want? What are you trying to say to me? You know, I admittedly originally had a list of, this is my agenda. This is what I would like to get through. (laughs) This is what I think you want to cover. Because that was, you know, two days after you and I had met for our normal spiritual directions meeting. So I was like, I had my list. I had all these expectations. And that was like one of the first things God's like, no, I want to be with you. Like, he's like, just throw that out. Stop looking at your phone. Stop worrying about how long this is taking. And just be with me. He's like, let me bring up the things I want to bring up. You're at a 10. You need to be at like a 5 <laughs> on the anxiety here. schedule here. You're here. I need you here. <laughs> like, you know, and, and he knew what to invite me to to get me to that place. Because mm. he knows me really well. You know, he's like, let's go for a walk. Let's go out in my creation. It's still early. You're not going to run into that many people. It's Saturday. People sleep in. Mm. Unless you're weird, like me. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and you. You know, I'm like, oh, look, the sun's out. Okay, Kim's eyes are open, whether she wants them or not. You know, so I think the the big, but the big thing was, is I was asking. I was in a place where I was like, okay, God, whatever you want to say. Because honestly, in the moment while I was doing the whole, the arguing with myself about the bathroom and then driving to the 99 cent store and coming back, like I wasn't, I got out of that headspace of, of talking with God and had to go back into it. Yeah. But once I got back in with God, I wasn't thinking about it anymore. Calming my body and my brain back down took a while. And then God's like, okay, you're, you're ready. Pull out your, well, in my case, it's the iPad with its keyboard. He's like, pull it out. Just listen to me. Start, start typing. You know, just whatever I tell you, just put it down. Don't argue with me about it. You can check it against my word later to see if it's right. Right, just let the thoughts come. Just, just let the thoughts come and write them down. Like this is how we do it. The, this is how we do this best. Mm. Don't argue with me about it. And, and he brought it back up. He's like, "Hey, do you see this? Look how big of a deal you made this." I'm like, "Oh my!" It was. It's such an ingrained part of how I interact with other people that I normally wouldn't have noticed it. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I just automatically do it. I frequently don't accept drinks at people's house or food or... You don't want to be a burden. You just, you know. Yeah, don't, don't want to do that. But, you know, it's on a subconscious level where it's not like I'm going, like, I'm not thinking about it. It's just, it, it's, it's a habit. It's an unthinking, subconscious pattern of thinking and feeling yeah. and behaving. Yeah. And what I hear you say, tell me if this is correct, <laughs> is that what breaks you out of that pattern mm. is to be proactive, making purposeful time yeah. to be present with God. So you begin to notice them. The more proactive you get in spending time with God and allowing Him to speak into who you really are allows you during the day to notice when you're falling back into agreeing with the lies of the enemy and reacting from that place. You're going from being reactive to responding. And there's a huge difference between reacting and responding. In other words, you're going from being reactive to proactive. So speaking of being proactive then, 
I've got three things that I heard you say about yourself. Mm. When you're not thinking about it, and um, these are the where the enemy will try to sneak in and whisper mm. to you and get you to agree with these things that are out of alignment with who God says you are, and that is burden, mm-hmm. that you don't matter, yeah. and failure, that you are a failure. <laughs> so when you think of these three words... Again, the enemy is not creative at all. He just uses the opposite of whatever God says about us and turns and corrupts that to the opposite degree. Mm-hmm. So, burden is what comes to mind to describe you that's the opposite of that. Delight. So, so you said the word burden. What's the opposite is delight. Now, what is a scripture that speaks to that? Okay, so for burden, so it's actually part of my life first, or it's in my life first. It's in the same chapter. And, you know, God's like, hey, look, you, you were actually supposed to be expanding this thing, <laughs> <laughs> not subtracting it down. So it's in Isaiah chapter 62. We'll start in verse 3, and it goes through is that 4. Uh, it says, you shall be a crown of beauty in the hand of the Lord, a royal diadem in the hand of your God. You shall no more be termed forsaken. And your land shall no more be termed desolate, but you shall be called my delight as in her. And your land married, for the Lord delights in you. Nice. All right. So what Satan uses as a weapon against us, mm-hmm. God invites us to turn the tables and use a weapon against him. And this is the word scripture mm-hmm. becomes our weapon. And when we memorize these scriptures and we, we begin to notice, right, the times where we are going back, letting the enemy take us back to those lies, we can proactively pray ahead of time, God, help me to notice the lies that the enemy speaks in today. And instead of agreeing with them just in an unthinking subconscious way, help me to notice them, turn them over to you, and hold on to the, the scripture that's really teaches me, you know, reminds me of who I really am. Mm-hmm. And so it's memorizing those scriptures that help us identify the lies for what they are. When we memorize the truth about ourselves, it helps us notice when we aren't living in those things and where the enemy tries to attack us with lies. So that that's an invitation for you to memorize that. Yeah. All right. So how about you don't matter? What is the opposite of that? What words come to mind? Uh, necessary. Mm. I think it's a big one. That God's been like, no, no, you. <laughs> the people in your life actually do need you to be who I created you to be. That's huge. Probably the main one that comes to mind for that. Is there a scripture? I've got good. one. Oh, good. Thank goodness. Your turn. <laughs> How about Ephesians 2.10? You got uh, that? Yeah, yeah, I do. Uh, Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. What does that tell you about your necessity in this world? Well, I mean, he prepared them in advance. It's kind of like, well, if you don't do it, then, you know, you didn't prepare someone else to do them. Right. They're uniquely yours. Yeah. Before the foundation of the world, he set aside things and said these are for Kim to bless other people 
that only she can do and only she can walk in and mm. how I, who I created her to be. All right, one more. Failure. What's the opposite? That's a good question. <laughs> What's the opposite of failure? To fail. Succeed. Yeah. What's another word for success? Victory. Victory. All right. What's the scripture that tells us uh, that that's our identity? Oh, jeez. I got one. Oh, good. That's easier. You are more than... Oh, right. You're more than conquerors through Christ Jesus. Romans chapter 8, verse... Romans eight thirty-seven. Thirty-seven. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Nice. Okay, so you have an invitation from God in this very moment to memorize those scriptures. Because it isn't enough to notice the lie and surrender that to God, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. That's emptying us of the lie, but we need to also be filled because nature uh, nature proves all the time nature abhors a vacuum. Right. You can't leave empty spaces. Right. They have to be filled with something. Mm-hmm. Exactly. They have to be filled with something. So we empty ourselves, we surrender the lies to God, and we fill ourselves with the truth of who he says we are, which is most often found in Scripture. This is the invitation, really, and this is where we're going to leave it. This is the invitation that we all have. We said in this that we can't react. That's not what God has for us. So many people live as instinctual animals, like that that's what they are. They react out of how they feel. The enemy lies to them, gives them a feeling and a message that they're hopeless. That's their identity. They don't matter. They react out of that and find a way to cope with that rather than go to God. And we have to be proactive, not reactive first. We have to go to God, trust that what he, who he is, and his identity is the one who loves us. He is perfect love. This is one of my favorite scriptures lately. James chapter 1. Do not be deceived, my brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift comes from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. What are the first words of that passage? To not be deceived. And we are deceived all the time. And you know what that says to us? That whole passage is about identity. Mm. Do not be deceived, my brothers and sisters, which infers that we are God's, all God's children. Mm-hmm. And he is the father of the heavenly lights who gives us every good and perfect gift. God is generous in giving his love to us, which means we're his beloved children. And we are not to be deceived by the enemy in thinking otherwise, but we are to be proactive in going expectantly daily to the Father of the heavenly lights to receive all of who he is to us as perfect love because we're his beloved. And I say it all the time. If our identity is beloved, we have to choose to be loved. It is not just our identity. It is what we have to live out of, right? It's a noun and a verb. (laughs) So here's the way we do it. Here's the invitation to practice this. Be proactive 
ask God to show you what what words you're believing about yourself. What are the things you feel? Notice the times that you've gone to some some coping mechanism. What was the thing that made you go there? What did you feel about yourself to make you go to that coping mechanism? Sit. Make time to sit in God's presence and ask him, God, the last time I ran from you, or the last few times I ran from you, what was the feelings underneath that? And what was I believing about myself? Take time to sit down, ask God that question, and then write the words down to come. Write them down, all the negative words that you believe are true about you. And then ask him to show you the opposite words and just think about what's the opposite of this word and write that down. And here's the magic of this. When you get those words down, ask God to reveal the scriptures that, that speak the truth of that to you. And if you need, you need it, the magic of Google is you can just write in that word and Bible verse and things will come up. Google's amazing. Google it. And then memorize them. Because once you have those things memorized, they're with you all the time. And it's harder for the enemy to speak those lies into you in a way that you will agree with. Because what happens is when those lies begin to come in, now that you have these verses memorized, they're like a filtering system. You have them with you all the time. You have these truths in you all the time. And you begin to notice when the lies come in. No, wait, that goes against what this verse says that I memorized. It's like Paul said, we have different weapons than the world has. The weapons of our warfare are very different from the world. The enemy uses lies. That's his weapon to make us dance to his tune of fear and insecurity and pride and anxiety. And God's like, I'm, I'm playing a tune of love. Will you dance to my tune? So we get to choose. And here's one way we get to choose. Instead of dancing to the lies of the enemy, go memorize scripture that tells us the truth of who we are. And then anytime the enemy starts plucking his tune, we have got the lyrics to God's music memorized so that we can ignore that, the music of fear and insecurity and pride and dance to love. So I don't know if you expected to listen to this podcast and come away with a homework assignment, but you got one. And this is a homework assignment that will help you walk in the journey of recovery that all of us are walking in. Recovering God's identity, the truth of God's identity, who he is and who we are to him. That journey of recovery will bring abundant life so that you don't, you don't have to run to your patterns of, of addictions or behaviors, coping mechanisms anymore, or very less and less, because you're walking in the truth of who God is and who you are. Identity is everything, and that's what we need to recover. So Kim, will you pray a prayer for all those listening who are walking the same journey as us, the journey into recovery? Sure. Dad, thank you for the truth of who you are. That you are a good father. That you don't change. And that we can trust you. That you are safe for us. Dad, there is nowhere safer than you. And Father, I know the lies of the enemy, they're like that little fly that was just buzzing around today that would not leave me alone. (laughs) Well, that's all the weapon the enemy has is that constant buzzing in our ear. 
telling us lies, telling us that we can't trust you, that we might be that one exception to your promises. Father, but that's not your truth. You say that <laughs> you remain faithful even when we are faithless. Dad, there's no word that you speak that does that comes back void. And you can't lie. It's not who you are. So Dad, I just ask that you would help us to receive. Receive who you are. And in receiving who you are, to see ourselves for who you say we are. That we would stop looking in the wrong mirrors. Dad, that we wouldn't look in the mirrors of of our family, of our wounds, of our circumstances, but that what we would look in the mirrors of your eyes and your heart. Dad, you created us and you said we are you said that we were very good. So Dad says that you would help us to recover our identity. Help us to receive everything you say about us, Father, and where where we're believing lies, show us. Father, but don't just show us, but fill us with the truth of, of who we really are in place of those lies. We ask this in your name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Kim, for being open and honest. It's always a pleasure to hear more of your story. And just your vulnerability is refreshing. It's like a breath of fresh air. So thanks. Thanks for always challenging me. And I'm sure there's more to come. Yeah. God's always doing new things. Always new things. So until next time, we'll look for those new things. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Life Hurts, God Heals. Before you go, let me ask you a question. Are you stuck in any way in your life? Whether it's being stuck in past wounds that you can't seem to get over, or whether it's just being stuck in certain patterns of thinking and behaving now that you just can't seem to get past, or you feel stuck when it comes to the future, you want to know what God has for you and how to move into that. Well, let me help you with that. As a coach, my goal is to help you discover who God made you to be. What is your unique identity? Let me help you discover that because everything else you want out of life flows from that. If you're interested in having a consultation with me, you can reach me at coachkurt777 at gmail.com. That's Coach Kurt as in C-O-A-C-H-K-U-R-T 777 at gmail.com. Until next time, remember, you are God's beloved, so be loved. Be loved.